Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I am your returning host, Tom, and I am joined, as always, by Chris. Hello. And Stu. Hello, speed freaks. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, we are here to review the Mexican Grand Prix and also later on look ahead to the US GP. Um, but I guess the first point, because we've got a lot to get through, should probably be from Quali, because that's where the weekend comes alive, <laughs> first <laughs> and foremost. Um, uh, but the main talking point from Quali this weekend really was probably all circulating around the Bottas crash in Q3. Um, so Bottas ended up in the wall around the final corner, a very, very heavy impact with the the barriers. Um, and it also led to um, a penalty for Verstappen because he completed his fastest lap uh, despite being clearly within the yellow flag area of the Bottas crash and even admitted seeing it at one point. Um, he was given a three-place grid penalty because, as I say, he basically admitted the thing in the press conference, um, and that ultimately promoted Leclerc to pole position for a Ferrari front row. But, Mm. yeah, gentlemen, penalty. um, Verstappen and yellow flags, I guess. Let's debate. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's the arrogance, isn't it? That's what's tripped him up there. Yeah, that's the kind of word I had in mind as well. It's Mm -hmm. the rules don't apply to me. Yeah, Except they do, and they did. The yeah. worst thing about it for him, realistically, as well, is he didn't need to set that lap time. The, yeah. the lap the lap before was still fast enough to get him pole. So he didn't need the lap time that he pursued on to try and achieve. Um, mm. So it was all pointless anyway. Yeah, it's really silly because what he should have been doing from the enti- for the entire time was protesting his innocence he should have been saying i didn't see it i couldn't see it yeah i was looking to the inside curb it happened so quickly blah 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 that's the kind of things you need to be saying in that situation to give yourself a chance of not getting a penalty to in the press conference turn around and say nah i think it'll be fine you mean much like lewis hamilton did because lewis lewis basically said um, I was following Valtteri around. I saw what looked like some debris on the track. So I, I kind of started to hesitate a little, just wondering what might be going on. Uh, but then by the time I came up to him, he was already in the wall. I was already past him. Like, And I, yeah. that was the last of it. So that's the only reason I never lifted or, or whatever. It was words to that effect, which is basically him yeah. making a case of, I was aware of the incident and I was beginning to take appropriate action. But by the time I realized the incident was what it was, I was already past it. Well, the, so, the thing is, when he was he was pretty close to him on track. Like he, yeah. So the yellow, the yellow, I don't know if this is the case, but I would be very surprised if the yellows were already out as Hamilton was coming up to him because they were relatively yeah. close together. Yeah, he, he's, he's definitely less likely to have been caught up in it anyway, but I think it's just the way that he's come out and worded everything exactly how you'd expect him to like regardless of no, nobody knows if he genuinely knew the situation or not do it except him 
Nobody yeah. knows that. Yeah. But th- the one thing we do know is Verstappen bragged about <laughs> the fact that he kept his foot in and Basically. Lewis did the opposite. And so silly. It was just silly, really. Um, but I mean, the, the, the penalty is a slam dunk in that scenario. Like, yeah, absolutely. And the, I think the other thing is as well that I don't know if it had actually been completely picked up on until he opened his own mouth anyway, had it. Well, I mean, Michael Massey, the race director, said that it was already under investigation by the mm. time that press conference happened. But even if that's true, it didn't help his case, did it? Sitting there flapping his mouth about it. Like, no. It's just so silly. He he completely ruined his entire weekend. He, yeah, he yeah. basically ruined a race that he could and arguably should have won for yeah, the sake definitely. of ignoring a rule that everyone knows and then being kind of weird and braggy about it. It's so yeah, strange. This is a bit it, like school playground almost, isn't it? It's like it's like the mm. bad kid at school. Yeah, I broke the rules. I don't care. Yeah, it kind yeah, of is. Attitude. It's like a weird attitude to take. Maybe it's because we're getting towards the end of the season. He's just stopped caring, like Kubica. <laughs> Kubica's a bit like that at the moment. It's like yeah, buying yeah, his maybe. teammate off the track, left and right. <laughs> but then... Not getting out of people's way. <laughs> yeah. But it's... then he should have cared. Like we've said before, this was Red Bull's basically only other chance to win a race this yeah. season. And yeah, he made an absolute hash of it. Yeah. You're right, Chris. Yeah. He absolutely should have cared. It's his job to care. It's yeah, exactly. Like he, he's costing the team valuable points there. Um, not that many races ago, we were saying how close Red Bull were to Ferrari and how it was a loose possibility that they might catch them up in the constructors' standings. And that is pretty much out of the window at this point. Yeah, largely yeah. because Verstappen's had a bit of a shocker since the summer break, pretty much. Yeah, I don't think they've completely sealed second, but it's more or less done. Like I don't, I think it'd take something ridiculous yeah. for Red Bull to come back into it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's well, it wasn't the last thing he did to jeopardize his race weekend, as we'll get hmm. to in a minute. Um, by moving on to the race, but I, I, well, I guess before we do, we're, we're all basically saying it's a slam dunk, isn't it? There's no defending what he's done. Oh, absolutely, there at yeah, all. I think, yeah, like in, in in summary, if if he'd if he'd held his hands up and and sort of been submissive about it instead of being yeah. a chest thumping thug about it, <laughs> then he probably he might have had more chance of getting away with it. Yeah, sadly, the attitude has come up against him there. Um, but yeah, race-wise, um, as we say, it led to Leclerc starting on pole with Vettel alongside him. Um, Vettel, either this this is one for debate, I guess, but Vettel off the start, pushing Hamilton out onto the grass. Now, do we think that it, this is an intentional squeeze on Vettel? Do we think this is more uh, Vettel... Uh, sorry, an intentional squeeze on Hamilton? Or do we think this is more... Vettel was in one of those mindsets where he was so preoccupied trying to get under Leclerc's front wing for a bit of a tour that he he wasn't paying enough attention to what was going on around him. But I don't know. What, he knew. What he do knew. we think? <laughs> I think he knew. We think it's an intentional squeeze, yeah? It's, I think it's a squeeze. I mean, he was moving across into Leclerc's slipstream in the process, but... He knew Hamilton was there. There's no way a driver of his caliber didn't know exactly yeah. who was <laughs> alongside him. It was it was 
it was it was borderline that. I thought that was a bit dodgy. I'm actually quite surprised he got away with that, to be honest with you. Well, I thought, I thought if Leclerc's getting black and white flags for pushing Hamilton wide in Monza, why is Vettel not getting a black and white flag for pushing Hamilton wide in Mexico? Because it's almost yeah, like, it's identical almost. He categorically yeah. did not leave a car's width, and that that is the yeah. wording of the rule. But turn one and start incidents are reviewed differently to others that's around true, the yeah, true. That, that is true. true. And it is a race that's, just, that's just that's just the I'm I'm just arguing semantics. Be, <laughs> the way that they been, steward, but if someone yeah. had been given a penalty for it, we wouldn't have had anything like as good a race as what we had either. So no, I, I'm kind of glad that they didn't intervene. Like so oftentimes in the past, like incidents like that have happened really early doors, and someone's got um a, a, a relatively minor penalty for it but it's it's cost us a battle on track and i i don't like to see that i really don't like to see the stewards sort of robbers of proper elbows out hard racing and i i would probably put this one down to hard racing at the start of the race i don't really think there was too it was borderline like chris said it was borderline but i wouldn't if i'm if i was on a racetrack if i was in that situation and i'd given someone arguably just enough room would be my argument, then I wouldn't want to be getting a penalty for it. So yeah, that's my take. I think if the same thing had happened in a 1v1 fight 10 or 15 laps into the race, then you'd argue that, you know, you've got a whole width of a racetrack here. Why are you squeezing him off? But within the first few seconds of a race with 20 cars barreling down to turn one, you can kind of forgive it enough, I think. It's definitely yeah, borderline, I so. but I think I think I'm with you on that, Stu. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree. Like it's the the start is very high action, high intensity, isn't it? As well, I think that's that's one of the reasons for um, the the slight different viewpoint, I guess, when it comes to the way that they enforce some of the the rule giving yeah. and the the penalty giving. Sorry. And I think in this scenario, it's probably about right. Like he didn't do enough to put him in the wall or like push him completely off track. And I think at that point, it's kind of, it's not acceptable, I guess. Acceptable is the wrong word, but Mm. like you say, it would have been a harsh penalty, I think, considering the situation. It was, it was, it was just on the right side of sensible. Yeah. Just. And it's borderline, but yeah, I agree. (laughs) I agree. Um, what it did lead to, though, is um, Verstappen getting alongside Lewis into the in uh, down the inside of Turn One, and then that ultimately led to a bit of contact between the two of them, and um, both of them essentially cutting Turn Three and falling down the order a little bit. Um, angry Max, maybe a little bit. Um, he didn't seem to have the stopping power or the turning circle to make turn one, did he? From what I could tell. Yeah, I've I've watched this a bunch of times. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what happens, but it's I can't tell if there's contact first and then um, Verstappen loses the rear end or whether he just kind of lost the rear end and that triggered it because they kind of both had a bit of a tank slapper on between turn one and two. Yeah, I think that from my memory, I've not seen it for a little while since I should have really watched it before we started recording this, but from memory, Max 
kind of starts drifting out wide like he's got understeer. And it's almost like Lewis reacting to that kind of gets him a bit loose at the rear end. And then that's when there's a bit of contact. And then they both, like you said, they're both kind of all over the place and just think, sod it, I'm going for the grass. <laughs> like, and it's mm. straight across turn three at that point, isn't it? I, I'm not quite with you there. <laughs> on, on, I think we'd be, I think we're being a bit harsh on Verstappen here. Oh no, no, I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm saying I think that that's where it comes from. There's, there's like a bit of an what is like a bit of an understeer moment, and he sort of, he sort of heads out wide, and it's what is Lewis reacting to that that's actually the trigger of it all. I think. Mm. Well, I think at that point, I think at that point, Verstappen's entitled to take a wide line through there. He's got the corner at that point. Yeah. Hamil- I, I think Hamilton was trying to go around the outside and was always going to be getting pinched into the into the next corner. And it was actually Hamilton who who lost control of his car into turn three, um, which sort of, you know, really, really kind of like made a mess for Verstappen. Um, I'm watching it, but I keep, I'm trying to keep watching it on repeat here. I, I just can't see how Hamilton thinks he's... He's staying in it there. Like he was always Hamilton was always going to go off there. He was breaking way too late. He completely lost control of the. Re- he locked up his rears, and you know he's he's sort of fishtailing into the side of Verstappen mm, at that point. The thing is, though, see, I'm, I'm watching this, and to me, it looks like Hamilton's just about got it slowed down enough to make turn two. Verstappen is then trying to keep it down the outside of him, which is never going to happen. And they make a second bit of contact and that's what causes them both to run wide. I think everything Mm. up until turn two is kind of, it's racing. They both had a moment it happens. But if Verstappen had just backed off a bit, tucked it behind Hamilton, I've got a feeling they'd both have made that corner and would have come, that have been running third and fourth I think if he'd have tucked him behind him it's the fact that he tried to hang on around the outside that clearly wasn't going to happen to me looks like mm. is what caused them both to cut the corner and obviously massively lose out but that's also happened from Lewis's side as well because Verstappen was definitely a car length ahead going into the braking zone and Lewis has braked late to then get back alongside him Um but Max was ahead of Lewis going into turn one for sure. But that, but you're right. But if we're arguing that sort of, if we're arguing the semantics of if you're in front, it's your corner kind yeah, of thing. Max, but, Max, turn one was Max's by that standard. It was, but going to turn one, Max had got a wheel ahead of Hamilton. Going into turn two. Verstappen's rear front wheel hits Hamilton's rear wheel. Like that corner had gone at that point. Yeah, and he still tried to stick it in there. I see what you're saying. He's actually even I, racing him when they're going across the grass as well. He's got yeah. his foot in. <laughs> and like, I I um, do think it's this did go down as racing incident, didn't it? There were no penalties dished. Yeah, out and it, and quite rightly, I, I think, think that's fair though. Incident. Yeah, I think that's I, I think that is fair. I would also say if you did apportion blame, I think. The initially it's just kind of racing. I think the end result of it was probably more Verstappen's fault. Do you think so? Um, I do think mm. so. I, I think once they had both had their wobble and they were on the way into turn two, just cut your losses, took him behind Hamilton, and I, I, <clears throat> oh no, you'd be running fourth rather than third at that point. I'm fi- I'm square fifty fifty 
I'm absolutely 100% 50-50. I think they both yeah. break, they both tried to outbreak each other. They both break too late. Hamilton lost control. Verstappen couldn't get it into the corner to meet the apex because he break too late, and they both end up going along the gravel. Um, yeah, it was. It, it looks way worse than it is because Hamilton breaks that little bit. Well, Hamilton locked up and lost control, <laughs> which is rare. The, the thing is, though, as well, like. In those situations, if drivers feel very hard done by by uh, their opposite in battle, they're on the radio immediately. And I don't particularly remember either of them during the race or after it having that much of an issue with the incident. Like they both made reference to it of, oh, we made I made contact with so and so and it kind of caused a bit of damage, but we recovered from it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they've not neither of them have actually gone, he hit me, he caused this. It's just like we made a bit of contact through turn one and two, and then this happened as a consequence. And I think when the two of them aren't even that bothered because they both know they're both as bad as each other for it or whatever, it's yeah. six of one, half a dozen of the other, isn't it? So you just keep your head down. It's one of the rare occasions yeah. Yeah. where Max Verstappen does keep his head down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was... Yeah, yeah. I, I think it comes from Max being a little bit overzealous. I think that's what starts it all. But I think Lewis is also in a little bit of the same position where he's maybe just fighting a little bit harder than usual because he knows that that position is like the one that that podium is almost a deal sealer, depending on where Bottas finishes, isn't it? And that's what he's yeah. aiming for. So I think I think there's a little bit from both of them. I'm, I'm more. I'm definitely more with Stu on that. It's 50-50, I'm sorry to say for you, Chris. Yeah, maybe I'm being a little <laughs> harsh on Verstappen, but my initial reaction and that I stand by is that after the Saturday Verstappen had, him being involved in a Turn 1 incident was the least surprising thing in the world to me. Hmm. He, it, it's This whole weekend has smacked of, like, with, again, we've said before, at the start of this season, we talked a lot about how much, how much we seem to have matured this season and he's been a much more rounded driver and this whole weekend smacked of Verstappen of all to me where he overcompensates for things and then things end up getting worse as a result and I mean this isn't the first Verstappen incident we're going to talk about today no um no yeah it's felt a lot like it's, it's that his head's gone moment isn't it that's what it feels like like we used to talk about his head going and him being too fiery and he's definitely had a weekend like that this weekend well, to be fair, like between this and then the next um, Verstappen thing that, that Chris is kind of mentioning, the, probably the main thing is is Vettel having a little bit of a tag on Leclerc. So depending on what you want to say about that, we could just jump straight into the other Verstappen thing if you really want to. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Vettel hitting Leclerc thing was, a, was clumsy, but it was the very real consequence, I guess. Exactly. He was, was looking at it. He was lucky he didn't cut his teammate's tire open, but that like it looked as though the car behind was just maybe not expecting the car ahead to be quite so slow on the apex. And yeah. I wonder if yeah. Leclerc was sort of doing the old park it on the apex, shoot off down the high speed section to to sort of get a bit of an advantage over his teammate. And yeah, just maybe sort of, you know pull a yeah. bit of a gap. He definitely smacked of that to me <laughs> i think looking at the replay he had actually gone quite deep into the previous corner as well so vettel was on the normal racing line and leclerc was quite a way off it actually he had kind of made a bit of a hash of the corner before it so i guess yeah um vettel was just oh yeah not expecting him to be as slow off that corner 
Yeah, I mean, Vettel should know. I think Vettel should know better. He's just watched him go Probably really, should. really wide. That's his teammate. He should be giving him. He should know that he's going to be slow into that apex. So yeah, actually, you know what? I think that is probably a bit more Vettel's fault than it is Leclerc's fault. I think I think Vettel was looking at cutting underneath him to try and make a pass, and yeah, Leclerc didn't accelerate off the apex at all. Apparently, yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah. Interesting one. Yeah, yeah. So. Should we go back to Max? <laughs> yeah, I'm far yeah, more interested in talking so. about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So back to Verstappen. Um, so the next thing is his dive down the inside of Bottas uh, into the stadium section, um, which was, let's say, ambitious. And it led to a puncture from the contact, which caused Max to drop all the way down the pack um, and have to put on the hards. Um the puncture didn't really present itself fully until they were heading down the start-finish straight after the stadium section. So, hence, he ended up doing a full lap, more or less, with just a rim on the right rear. Um, again, is this... Well, this, this is probably more Max's own fault and own doing, I think, than the, the, the Lewis-Max thing I sort of side as been a 50-50 with Stu, but I think this is definitely... At first glance, I thought, great move. Afterwards, I started thinking, has he maybe just tried to force himself through a door that's always closing and just got a bit desperate? Um, And I started leaning more towards that a little bit, I think, towards the end after seeing it a few times. Mm, I I think it was very ambitious. He came from a long way back. I mean, we only really caught the, the sort of last dying moments of that move on the mm-hmm. world feed so it was difficult to to draw a real conclusion during the race i think at this point in the race his head has totally gone he's he's further back down the field than he feels like he does deserves to be at the start of the race he's even further back now we're into lap two um sorry once we get to i think it was lap four that and yeah, he's just he's just tr- throwing everything in the kitchen sink at it to try and to make up the positions. Um, mm-hmm. What the most interesting part of this move for me was when um, Bottas took the position back. He sort of he chopped back across the front of Verstappen as if to say, "Jog on, boy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, which I appreciated quite a lot. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. He really did actually. Yeah, that was a proper chop. Yeah, it was. It, it's kind of further to my point of it. Just felt like overcompensating. Maybe, maybe waking up Sunday morning, he knew he'd massively messed up the day before, and he was trying too hard to make up for that. Maybe it. Maybe, it seems yeah. that way, doesn't it? It does seem that way. Um, it's the mind management thing, though. That that that's yeah. again, that's down to like he needs to keep his calm. He's not a calm enough driver. He's not a calm enough personality for you know for this kind of racing. I don't think at times like there are times when Max Verstappen loses his head to the extent where he becomes a, a bit of a liability. <laughs> And this yeah. is one of those weekends. Like he, <laughs> it is. He, he, it's like the pressure's got to him so much that he just 
it affects his performance so badly that he just tries. He's trying too hard at this point. Maybe it's he's just driving the... it like he nicked it. He's driving it like it's like <laughs> it's a computer game, and someone's rammed him off the road. Maybe it's just a low altitude, and he just needs a bit more oxygen to his brain. On a weekend, <laughs> Maybe. I mean, Lewis Hamilton did hint that he thought Verstappen was a bit silly for um, for some of his actions and for his behavior yeah. on the track. They asked him in the press. They asked Hamilton in the press conference, like, "Do you treat Verstappen differently?" And he said, um, "Well, some drivers are smarter than others." So, mm. <laughs> see. Yeah. The 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 thing the thing with this particular move the the one in the stadium is if it does come off and Bottas doesn't end up tapping him the way that he does then it it's a great move isn't it and I think it's one of those that it's ended up looking worse because of how badly off Verstappen's ended up with the puncture and falling down to the back of the grid and basically it just ending his race like. Those kind of forceful diving moves are the kind of things that we praise him for and we play praise like Danny Rick for and stuff like yeah. that before. And I think it's just unfortunate that it ended the way that it did. But also, it, we were four laps into a seventy-one lap race. It's not like <laughs> yeah. it was. It's not like it was the final turn of the race and it was for the winner or anything. You know, he had a a lot more time and he ultimately would have got past Bottas another mm. way. He didn't he would- have to make the move, and I think that's why I'm being a bit more critical of it with him. You're you're right there, Tom. But I think in his defence, the, the leaders are pulling away at this point, and you yeah, need to get past that car to to stay in the hunt for the win. In his head, he's thinking, "I can win this race still from yeah. where I am." So he's pushing hell for leather t- for that. So you know, I I can understand him like ragging it and over. He overdrove it for sure. He was overdriving. Yeah, but um. Uh, you, we, I suppose we shouldn't be too harsh on him because he's he's given us a great show. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. What can you do? I think the thing is there are like there are moves where you throw it down the inside and the other driver has to, you know, not take the line they wanted to take because you're suddenly there. And there's mm. moves where the other driver has to basically leap out of the way to make it happen. And the only way he was going to clean to get past Bottas there would be if Bottas basically leapt off the track to lay him through. And yeah. Drivers don't do that in modern F1. Like you could say, you know, it's the old Senna thing of I'll put in a position where I either pass you or we'll have a crash. But like it's a very different sport these days. It's a much safer sport these days. And drivers aren't just going to get out of your way and let you through because you've slung it up the inside of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, yeah, you don't have that threat of I will die if I don't let you, if, if I, exactly. Yeah. A crash back then was a, a much scarier prospect than it is now. Mm, yeah, definitely. Moving on from there, um, probably the, one of the next big talking points really was actually the Norris pit stop, I think, oh, wasn't damn. it? Um, essentially just absolutely ruined Norris's race. Um, the left front was not properly fitted to the car. They managed to get him back and deal with it and get him back out because he didn't go far enough down the pit lane um, to be deemed unsafe to push back, but it still absolutely ruined the race and was one of a number of botched wheel fittings yeah. during the race, wasn't it? Um, I did hear an explanation from, I think it might have been Ted over uh, the commentary that was um, to do with the fact that everything getting a lot hotter, uh, obviously the brakes and stuff get a lot hotter up there with the air being thinner. 
Um, and it was possibly to do with like certain components being hotter and, you know, not, I, I don't know. I don't know if, how legit it would have been. I, I kind of yeah. half trusted it because it came out of Ted Kravitz's mouth, which uh, I'd, be, I'd be careful with that. Um, <laughs> but that yeah, it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not always a given, is it? So, but it's possible, but a lot of teams seem to struggle, but McLaren particularly came off worst. One interesting thing is that McLaren haven't actually got a fine for this because the stewards haven't been able to tell if the car was actually like released unsafely. McLaren yeah. said they weren't sure it had been um, secured properly, so they called him back. But the stewards can't work out if it was actually unsafe. And obviously McLaren have kept stum about it, as you would. Yeah. So they've well, not actually been able to find them. This is inter- This I find this really interesting because... There's no, yeah, there's no, there might not be evidence to say that the car was technic, was mechanically or physically or however you want to put it, unsafely released from the pit box. But if McLaren stopped the car down the pit lane and stand there and effectively end their race, having just released that car, not being sure if the wheel is on. Surely that's an admission that, it's, <laughs> that that's that's I, it's not safe to release the car at that point. The only time it's safe yeah. to release the car is is when you're sure that it is ready to go, right? Yeah, yeah. Agreed. So logically, is it? It's a self admission of guilt, isn't it? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, but but just just by stopping that car in the pit lane, you're saying we've made a mistake. We've released the car from the pit box, and the car is not safe. We are not sure that the car is safe to be out but i guess the rules it must be the wording of the rules or something that's meant they've not been able to give them a penalty but it's so strange because yeah yeah what's i mean what could be less safe than pushing a car backwards down the pit lane yeah which is another weird quirk of the rule because if you put the car in reverse you get disqualified instantly but if you have yeah three or four blokes pushing it backwards down the pit lane that's fine yeah absolutely mental or scooting it down the pit lane yeah scooting it down the pit lane (laughs) With his standing on the front wing and scooting along. Is that like, what did they put it on the skate, did they? No, no. There were like four guys pushing the car and one Mm. decided to stand with his feet on the front wing and occasionally scooting his foot. (laughs) Oh, like skating along, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it it looked like he was on a skateboard, honestly. A giant (laughs) orange skateboard. (laughs) That's That'd be quite Um, fun. I wonder if you could, but, yeah. if you could kick clip a Formula One car. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, like, looking at F one cars, like you, you almost feel like if you leaned on the wrong bit of it too hard, it would just crumble because they always yeah. look so delicate. But actually, yeah. they're like solid things. Oh yeah, I mean, the, I mean, think of the forces on that front wing, like pulling that. Exactly. Out. Yeah, you could yeah, stand on yeah. either end of the front wing, and it'd be fine. But. Yeah. It's still very weird to see someone just with a foot on it skating the car along. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now, after that, we get to talk the fun thing that everyone loves, and that's tyre strategy. <laughs> because that's that's what ultimately the rest of the race pretty much boils down to. A giant anticipation of tyre strategy. Um, and <laughs> so, to sum it up, I guess, we saw... Hamilton pit fairly early, well, very early really compared to the others, and go onto the hards with the initial aim, from what we could tell, being to do the one stop. Um, 
Bottas and Vettel eventually followed suit and did the same thing, but were obviously on much fresher hard tyres for the end of the race. Leclerc and Albon uh, were on two stops. So Leclerc was kind of already committed to the two stop with the way that he'd stopped already. Um, and Albon had followed Sue. And from from what I could tell, it was Ferrari trying to cover off two different strategies because they obviously saw the Red Bulls as a threat. So they were trying to cover off the Red Bulls with Leclerc, I think. And then Vettel was to counter what Hamilton had done. And I, Vettel himself said that they didn't think that Hamilton would get to the end and the Mercedes wouldn't get to the end when he'd stopped as early as he did. And they thought that it was a big bluff and there was um, uh, another stop coming for Lewis. And Seb himself said that after the race, that that's where they thought that was going to end up. So I guess, are we disappointed that it all boiled down to nothing? Because I know I am. Like it, it all, it all kind of went in a mixing pot of this could be a really exciting end to the race with five cars all potentially about to win a race. And we kind of got none of that by the end. Yeah, like you got, you ended up with a situation where it was Hamilton, Vettel, Bottas, Leclerc in that order on the road. And they were kind of, in theory, in reverse order of how fast they'd be able to go based on their tyre life. So it kind of was promising the four of them like gradually converging. But yeah, it just mm. didn't happen, didn't did happen. it? I mean, Bottas said however close he got to Vettel, Vettel's straight line speed was just way too much for him to get past. Leclerc just kind of did nothing, really. Um, it did, like Initially after his stop, he was putting in some quick laps and it looked like he was going to really catch up with them. And then he just kind of plateaued, didn't he, for the rest of the race? Yeah, it, well, he yeah. had a bit of a lock-up into, I think, uh, it was, it was yeah. into one of the chicanes. He had a bit of a lock-up and went wide. And then from it was catching up right up until that point. And then I think he just... Yeah, I've cooked his tires, or he must have got a flat spot, and it just put pay to put pay to that. Yeah, one thing I do want to mention is something that I think Vettel probably does better than any other driver is he has such a he always have, seems to have such a a picture of like the whole race in his head. The second Hamilton made that early pit stop, Vettel straight away said, "Let him go. We're not." there's no point in us trying to match him. We're doing our own thing. Yeah. Like Vettel always seems to just have this image in his head somehow of how everything's playing out, even though he can only really see the bit of track in front of him and maybe a screen occasionally. I think mm. that's one of the differences between him and Lewis, you know, because yeah, Lewis always strikes me as being overly concerned about everything that's going on around <laughs> him. Like, I, I know that you're going to be in that scenario. You're like, who is it that's in front of me? How are they in front of me? How far behind? So, like, they are thoughts that are going to go through your head. But, like you say, Seb always generally comes across as, no, I don't need to stop. I'm well aware of what's happening here, and I'm I'm good to go. Like, I know it didn't pan out for him, but it it could quite easily have given another circumstance. And like Lewis seems to always be the opposite. Like he's always just questioning everything. And he's, he's always like, why are we behind him? How have we got so far behind him? Why did we stop then? These tyres aren't going to last. What lap am I supposed to go to? And they, like, it's just everything's a question every other lap. And they just seem like total opposites in that department, I guess. Definitely yeah, saw, um, seems a bit more emotional, doesn't he? On, yeah. On the, on the racetrack. He's definitely, definitely got his hat on his sleeve when he's in that car. 
Um, and it was obviously what it was. Not, he didn't have his normal race engineer. He didn't have. Um, no, he not got Bono, Bono did he? this weekend or next. So, so that must be that must have been a stress for him. Is that apparently he was texting Bono for setup advice? Yeah, yeah. Did you know? yeah. Um, um, friend of the show uh, Chamber tweeted during the race something to the effect of. I wish just for once the team radio would go, Hamilton, are you sure this is the right strategy? And Mercedes reply, you've won like 50 races with us. Maybe just like have some chill and trust us for once. <laughs> it, it's like I said to you during the race, he, he bugs the hell out of me when he's doing this because for like 40 laps it was, I swear we pitted too early. We pitted too early. This is just not going to work. These tyres aren't going to last. Then for like the last five laps, it's like, yeah, I'm good, guys. I can take these to the end. It's like... He just—it's he, like he's always doom mongering himself. Like this isn't going to work. This, and he's—I don't know if that's like good that he's willing to question it, or just bad that he's—he is questioning everybody. And almost—it's almost like he's putting a lot of weight on himself to like go. I've got to do this now because they've screwed me over with a yeah. strategy call. And I don't know if that's necessarily a fair attitude because, mm. like you say, is like what Chambers said. Like, how many races has he won with them? Yeah. Now? And how many titles has he won with them? Like, they know what they're doing. <laughs> so, do you think part of it might be him trying to play the other teams? Like, he knows the other teams are going to be mm. hearing that. Like, maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but do you think there's maybe an element no, of? I'd- let's let's make it sound like i'm really struggling here so ferrari think they've got the legs on us and then i'll just casually drive to the end i think the tone of his voice to me says that no he genuinely means it or he genuinely feels it to a degree because he does genuinely sound like (laughs) like these guys aren't gonna make it guys (laughs) like either that or he he can have an oscar for a great acting career (laughs) by the end of the time he retires we got a uh, we got a Lewis it's James. Did you hear that on the radio? Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah. Lewis yeah. it's James. You can do this in Mexico <laughs> as well, which is like the, the best possible place to say you can do it. Um, <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, so that that entertained me loads, um, and it means that we get to call this episode Lewis it's James, which would be great. <laughs> oh yeah, the continuity. <laughs> <laughs> the theme carries on. <laughs> I, I I definitely had that that point in the race where I got that sinking feeling of like, this is a track that Hamilton shouldn't be able to win on. Everything in the race is conspiring against him being able to win. He doesn't think he can win. So he's definitely going to win it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The amount of times that just somehow seems to play out. Like he's got a number of wins this season. Uh, yeah. This season that he probably shouldn't have. And everything just oh, yeah. kind of fell his way. He had absolutely mm. no business. Mercedes had no business winning this no, race. No, no chance. No. And that's not the first time we've said that this season, like Chris is saying as well. Nope. Yeah. So they, they had no business. Um, in other bits to round off the race, um, we saw a very ambitious move from Danny Rick towards the end, trying to take on home heartthrob Perez. But um, he locked up, sent it very, very deep into turn one, and that went to much delight of the Mexican fans. Um, (laughs) I was saying during the race to someone that this made me laugh because I... I'm I'm never a fan of like sort of the booing and the jeering and stuff like that, but 
I can never deny like the the raw passion of yes, our guy is safe. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. just that that cheer of yes, the move didn't pan out. Yeah, like they're not cheering because Ricardo's gone wide. They're cheering because their guy is safe for another lap. Like, mm. and I just I loved the raw emotion of that moment. It really got me. But yeah, it's <laughs> it, the the moments when Perez was overtaking people in general or like staunch defense or whatever it might have been to hear that crowd um, it was insane i bet i bet he could hear it clearly inside his helmet it was was sort of like a lot of cheers of like yeah he's still seventh (laughs) like yeah (laughs) he's not done anything of note other than still be seventh but that's enough for us to cheer (laughs) there's something very pure about that that i really like it's it's just passion isn't it yes it's really good it's just raw passion for the the home guy, like the Mexican. And it's just also, just imagine, like I said to you, Chris, during the race, like imagine if a Mexican wins that race anytime oh, the- soon. And in that stadium, like that, it's an amazing place to win a race anyway. But if a Mexican won there, I don't think there'd be any of it left. Like, it'd no, just the be place chaos. would go off. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, that was sort of towards the end. Um, and then at the very, very end, speaking <laughs> of the stadium, um, Danny Kvyat earned, earned himself a 10-second penalty uh, after the race because he decided to basically just punt Hulkenberg out of the stadium instead of overtake him. <laughs> um, coming out of the the stadium itself, he just decided to punt him into the wall, essentially. Uh, so that demoted Kvyat two places in the end, I think it was, Um Hulkenberg got 10th and I want to say Gasly went up to 9th because he yeah, ended he up did. past both of them. So uh, Hulkenberg wasn't a DNF. He did manage to get it across the line to claim the finish but then immediately pulled it up afterwards <laughs> because there was no rear end left on it after hitting the wall. So lucky he could finish I guess and yeah, he was. point. It was so clumsy. Yeah, he just, just sort of threw it up the inside. Door was always going to close and just nicked his rear wheel, didn't he, with his wing? Proper torpedo. Yeah, yeah, living up to his namesake there. Yeah, he really was. And that more or less rounds up a Lewis win. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow, yeah. Driver of the day, gentlemen. Um, my, my own personal choice, I think, is home hero Perez. Um, he... It, I'd like to say he had no right having that racing point where he had it, and I think comparing him to Stroll probably shows what I mean. Um, Mm. I think there was a little bit of that element of being at home with your fans around you gives you that extra 10th, or in Perez's case, that extra lap over your teammate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, I had Ricardo down as well until, um, until his mistake, a couple of mistakes towards the end when he was getting a little bit desperate for position but um generally speaking he had a good race i think danny rick he went a long time on the hard tires early on um to try and make that strategy pay off for himself yeah i think they were they were trying to hang back for a safety car for a long time weren't they yeah i think so yeah i think that's what they were playing for ultimately weren't they Mm. it's Um... Yeah, the, the three that I had in mind were Perez and Ricardo, even mentioned, and also Hamilton. Like, all three of them made one stops work in a way that really shouldn't have been possible. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like it was absolutely Hamilton's driving on that last set of tires to keep them going to the end that won that race. Um, yeah, and any of those three really work for me. I think. Yeah, yeah I'm just trying to. I'm trying to. You know, Hamilton. I'm reticent. To, I was thinking Hamilton, but I'm a little bit reticent to give it to Hamilton because of the early stages of the race. I, he did get a little yeah. bit mugged by sort of essentially he did more or less get pushed off track, didn't he? When you look at it, um, so it's like, he, and he dropped down a fair way through probably not so much fault of his own. Um, but I'm just struggling to give this one to Hamilton this week. Uh, who else did well? Per- I mean, Perez Alex- is a really good shout. Yeah, the the thing is with the Lewis thing as well is not to take it away from the drive to, to make the tyres last, but nobody ever really pushed him because nobody... Everybody expected that he was going to stop again and it kind of gave him the freedom to take it a bit easier if he needed to. And that's true. I think I think the comments from Seb with them saying that they didn't think that he would have got to the end on those tires meant that they didn't it, like it could just be racing driver excuses, but it was it was we didn't push him as hard as we could have because we didn't think we needed to. And make of that what you will, I guess. But I think maybe if Lewis had been pushed a bit harder by Seb or or anyone else behind him, we might have seen a different outcome. I think that just with the way Lewis was complaining about the tyres, I don't think anyone expected them to last as long as it did. Yeah, well, that's where and that's where the the game comes in, doesn't it? That Chris mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Did he mean? Did, yeah. Is that why? Because that would play it to his advantage. <laughs> I think the lesson here for for Ferrari is, if there is a Mercedes ahead of you and they're complaining about tyres, push them, ignore it, and mm. push them and make it worse for them. You know, I don't yeah, make them have a tire issue. Yeah, make them have a tire issue. Don't yeah. sit back and wait for them to have a tire issue. Make it happen. This is the problem at Ferrari. This is why they keep losing races because they're not making stuff happen. They're not being decisive. Mm. They should have. They should have been in the pit. They should have followed Hamilton into that pit stop. I don't. Know, I don't know if they necessarily needed to do that as such, but I think Vettel needed to push him more than he did. For sure, yeah. they uh, they got played. They got they massively got mm. played. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Ferrari does that give the driver again. the day to they, look at this? Yes. They, Ferrari <laughs> just just to just to stay on this for once. Just down Ferrari for one second. Ferrari started this race first and second. This is the second front row lockout they've had in a row. They've, it's their seventh pole position in a row, and where did they finish? You know, second and fourth. It's not good mm. enough. They, they need to, oh, they need to be doing better. They need to be keeping these leads and winning races. They should be doing what Mercedes are doing. They should be running away with these, and then and they're just not. And it's frustrating. Yeah, completely agree. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> Because and it's frustrating because I want to see the championship go down to the wire. I don't want to see. I, I, I do. I'm. A, I'm. A, I will admit that I'm a fan of Lewis Hamilton. Like I. I think he's a, an amazing driver and to achieve what he's achieved has been, you know, almost second to none. There's only what he's breaking all the records. There's only really Schumacher for him left to scalp, if you like. Um, 
but it shouldn't be so easy. It's, it's be Ferrari making it too easy for them. Two seasons now, they've been they've had a, arguably the fastest engine for two seasons. They are just not putting together the total package in the same way Mercedes are, and that's why it's, they're making it so easy for Lewis to to run off with these championships. And as a fan, I want to see him fight for him. I don't want to see the lead driver just cane everyone else. So yeah, yeah run over, run over. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so where does that leave us on driver of the day? <laughs> um. <laughs> well, to, to Stu's earlier point, he is right that yes, Hamilton did an amazing job on the tires, but Perez and Ricardo had to do that in traffic racing people, not just with the tracks themselves. Yeah. Um, I do think we should give a mention to Alex Albon as well. Um, he ran third early on, was very much on the pace, didn't make any mistakes. Yeah, in the end, uh, through strategy more than anything, I think he kind of faded a bit and came home. Was it fifth he finished in the end? Yeah, it was fifth. Yeah, fifth. Yeah. Um, but just another very good drive from him, I thought. In fact, mm. we're still getting nowhere near picking a drive of the day, but did you know he's actually outscored Verstappen since he joined Red Bull now? Not only has he outscored Verstappen, he has beaten Verstappen at every race. Since he's is it every race he's beaten him? Every single race, yeah, I checked it. Every race he's finished ahead of him. And yes, not all of that is down to Verstappen's fault, but even so. Part of it, I mean, there's an argument to say part of it's down to just the bad luck Verstappen's had. But at the same time, you know, you've got to be... Alex Albon's not had the same bad luck. He's kept his nose clean and he's been... Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's beaten him, so... Well, he pulled another... 17 points on him uh, in this race? No, sorry, yeah, not. He's only about three points off six in the championship now. He's only got two, he's got two drivers, total of three points ahead of him. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah, he's, he's just been really, really solid. And the, the points he gained on Verstappen this weekend, is there's no bad luck there. That was entirely Verstappen's fault. He just drove a better race than him. Yeah. Um, it's just all very impressive. Yeah. But that's and a drive of the day. Yeah, if you well, no, just just still on Albon. If if you <laughs> if you're wondering like the difference between Gasly and Albon and why, yeah, yeah, you know, he's not necessarily made as many quite as many points as what Albon had as what Gasly had made yet. Gasly was drop falling back into the clutches of the midfield, and you've just not seen that with Albon. Albon's been very much sort of on the tail of the lead pack. So yeah, I think Red Bull were absolutely. I mean, I I I was very surprised when I will hold my hands up and admit I thought it was a dodgy decision when they made it to promote Albon. But you know, they've they've proved themselves right, and he's and he's proved them right, and he and he's really earning his earning his money in that car. So fair play to the kid. Yeah, well, he's, he's about to overtake um, Gasly on points. Yeah, next yeah. race for sure. Next re- next so, race he'll be up into six on on fewer races as well. Yeah. Gasly, Gasly's actually jumped back up to sixth place after this weekend because Sainz had such a shocker. Um, but yeah, Albon's yeah. going to overtake both of them probably next race. So, <laughs> so driver of the day, <laughs> Perez. I think Perez. I, I, I'm happy to give it to Perez. Let's give it Perez then. <laughs> um, move of the day. Let's stick to move of the day this time. <laughs> It was a hard was a... because it was a pit stop race. It wasn't really an overtakey race from where I was sitting anyway. Like it didn't look like there was a lot of, yeah. lot of amazing moves going on. 
a lot of there it was down a really to strategy. good there's really good battle between signs and gasly about halfway through the race um yeah admittedly signs was nursing some pretty ropey tires at that point but he was still a fun duel to watch um and gasly eventually came out on top of that mm-hmm. um i mean there's perez a made a standout move in there I guess the to be honest, the the moves that didn't come off for Gasly were more exciting than the one that actually finally did, <laughs> yeah, um, as they yeah. as they got in Vettel's way <laughs> in the process. Yeah, um, Perez made a bunch of good overtakes on his way back through towards the end, as did Ricardo. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to think of a specific though, isn't it? There isn't like it a is, yeah. standout one. I don't think. No. I feel think, like it yeah. is Perez. I'm just not sure which well, one. Yeah. I, I do like the sort of Gasly v. Science battle, though, as, as a whole. It, even if Vettel did nearly get caught up a little bit. In it, <laughs> it, was, it, it was a battle that went on for, what, six corners before it finally ended? And no, they were going for it like was. a full lap, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah, they'd also been going for the back end of the lap before that, so... I don't know. I, I sort of do lean more towards that as a whole because that's the yeah. thing that stood out for me when I was thinking of this, I guess. It can be a sequence of moves of the day. Yeah. <laughs> or a period of the day. <laughs> or laps <laughs> of the day or whatever. We could, we, could make, we could make it um, We could make it that. I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to make it that. It's our podcast and do what we want. Make our own rules. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll do, just, do what we want. Max Verstappen does what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that it wasn't a move and I decided to represent it anyway because that's what I do. Are <laughs> oh, we just going that. with that then? Is that let's it? do that. We... I'm so, I think I'm so, so yeah. tired. Please can we do that? <laughs> okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Honestly, what the f are we doing here? Appropriate as ever. A few more um, of these. <laughs> worked okay. Well. For um... me, Trumpet Bugle Man. Chris what? knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Trumpet Bugle Man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. WTF in the in the pre race <laughs> business of which there was a lot. There was a lot of pre race business. So year. yeah, this was during the anthem. Um, there was a man who needs to learn how trumpets work because instead of playing it, he was just waving it around erratically. <laughs> but there was trumpet noise, um, and I just remember texting Chris and saying that man needs to be shown how to play a trumpet correctly. <laughs> Maybe he's just like a really big fan of the sound of a trumpet and he carries one <laughs> everywhere around with him. And then as soon as he hears one, he's like, yes, yes, I've yeah. got a trumpet as well. Look. <laughs> Speaking of national that anthems, have you also noticed that Chase Carey absolutely loves a national anthem? Yeah. Like normally all the kind of dignitaries just kind of sat there or stood there, I should say, kind of fairly blank faced. Every national anthem, he's grinning from ear to ear. He loves an anthem. I wonder if that's just a sense of like, I'm responsible for this. Probably, You know what I mean? Just like pride in the fact that I've put this event together. Like, I I guess there's an element of that to it. So he should. Good on him. Yeah, Yeah, fair play to the bloke. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's plenty of pit stops that would come under the WTF banner. Yeah, Just McLaren's race weekend, or in general, was an absolute shocker. Yeah, they had a better poor one. Yeah, I can present another comedy one for you if you want to lighten the mood from that. Yes, one. please. Transition. <laughs> the the guy in the mariachi outfit or whatever it's called with the helmet 
He had yes. like a racing helmet and he was holding like a GoPro on a selfie yeah. stick oh, and he goodness, was yeah. desperate to get the drivers to acknowledge him on the podium. They ignored him profusely, at which point he, he tried to insert himself into a picture <laughs> with them and Vettel casually pushed him away and said, no, and then continued with getting his picture taken. And I found that delightful and a little WTF. <laughs> nice. I, yeah, I, can, I did I enjoy that. that one. I could take that. The one. casual I'm nudge that Vettel gave him. Vettel, like, this is for drivers only, mate. You might have got an helmet, but no. <laughs> yeah, you ain't no driver. <laughs> Another detail of the whole kind of podium thing I enjoyed was like the whole the car being lifted up to the podium thing, which I actually thought was yeah. quite cool. But I think they're quite lucky that Hamilton won that race because he like stood on top of yeah. his car and like played up to whatever. Imagine yeah. if Bottas had won that race and the car <laughs> raises up and he's just stood there like staring, like yeah, yeah, maybe a little wave distance. if you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even Vettel, like, do I really have to stand here and do this? Is this really yeah, happening? Yeah. I think no, I think Vettel would probably just find it really funny. I think Vettel would just yeah, he'd, maybe, he'd rise actually. up, he'd just be grinning and he'd probably be laughing about <laughs> yeah. it. Leclerc, I don't know what how Leclerc would behave. He probably just wouldn't know what to do. Like, he probably just look awkward. Yeah, he'd probably just feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Danny Rick would probably find a way to do a shoey. Danny Rick would have been a great up. person. Danny, oh, Danny Rick would be like dabbing or something on his way through. Yeah. Like, oh, like, yeah, he would. Like yeah, he would. Definitely. <laughs> Dabby Ricardo. Dabby oh. Ricardo. Oh. Witty. <laughs> Episode title alert. <laughs> um... Oh. I, I am going to go for the the selfie skeleton getting shoved out of the way by Vettel, though. The mariachi man. Yeah, mariachi. Okay, I can, I can, I can go with that. I can roll with that. Cool. I, I will, like, the final thing I'll add is, like, the tweet that um, one of you guys did. I can't remember which one of you did it. It was a Jurassic Park tweet in relation to the podium, the car being, the announcement that the car would oh, be on um... the podium with the drivers. <laughs> They were so busy working out if they could, they didn't work out if they should. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They were so busy working out if they could do it. That really, really cracked me up there. (laughs) Fair play. Was it you, Chris, that one? That was was Chris doing that Mate, that was a a, props for that one. If it's Jurassic Park content, it's definitely me. (laughs) (laughs) I should have known. I should have known it to you. Oh, dear. Um, Right, with that, should we go through predictions? Yes, let's yeah. do predictions. Um, it was an unsurprisingly ropey week for us. Um, I got absolutely nothing. Um, Tom went for the Verstappen poll that me and Stu said definitely wasn't going to happen this week. Um, Stu, you did pick up a point for 18 finishes. So not a great week for us. Um, there were some surprisingly high scores from the listeners, though, further proving that they are much better at this than us. Um, we actually had two people who scored four points. Um, Chris Mannering, who was there just a Grosjean first DNF short of getting five out of five, which Grosjean first DNF is a pretty solid prediction, so he <laughs> yeah. came very close. Um, and then Brendan Harris also got four. Now, ooh, the one ooh, point ooh. he didn't get was Charles Leclerc for fastest qualifier. Now, as I'm sure you all noticed, Charles Leclerc started the race on pole. But as you will have noticed, every week we do say fastest in Q3 before penalties very deliberately. Um, so unfortunately, the point did go to Verstappen there, not Leclerc. So yeah. I am very sorry, Brendan Harris, but you only get four out of five this week. But you did come extremely close. Um, yeah. 
we had a bunch of twos and threes as well. It was a, a moderately high scoring week, uh, despite everything. Um, so well done to everyone. Uh, our top three remains Timothy George on 27 and a half, Max Coutan on 25 and a half, and uh, newly in third place, Jonathan Corsagila, I believe that is, uh, also on 25 points. So Timothy George is pulling out a little bit of a gap at the top now. Um, oh, it's a couple only of points though, he's got it? there. There's a, there's a yeah. lot of chopping and changing around that's that top tight. two, three, that four three, spot, isn't yeah. there? There really top. is. Like, Gary Vinal's also only half a point behind in fourth. Uh, that's Life and Katie O'Brien are another half a point behind them in fifth. So, yeah, like any one of the top 10, I think, could probably still win this, if not more. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's 15 points left on the table, isn't there? Three yeah. more races. So. Actually, yeah. So, God, one of us could still win it. You never know. Yeah, we could. Technically, we are still mathematically in with a Very shout of winning. Difficult. We're doing a botass. <laughs> Where it's um, we're still in it just. <laughs> however, currently we are in. Tom's in fifty third on sixteen points. I'm in sixty seventh on fifteen <laughs> points, and Stu is seventy eighth on fourteen points. Yeah, There's um, only two points covering all three of us, as it has been what? for most of the year. I'm good. I, be, I was leading us free for like three yeah. quarters of the season i have not had any points for like this, this is my this, this is my first point for like four races now i think peak too soon i could be wrong but i feel like i had a bit of an end to the season like this last time where i kind of came a bit stronger towards yeah the end did. And you came back to catch you up mm. so fingers crossed i'm hoping for good things for the last yeah. three races <laughs> oh it's the it's the usa grand prix next week isn't it yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you realised. I, I hope you, I hope you remembered well. to think about your predictions. <laughs> well, I've not thought of <laughs> any storylines either. I should have written some storylines. I'll make you a storyline now, Stu, right now. <laughs> Go on, hit me. Hit me with a story. Hit me with your storylines. Will Lewis get the points he needs? Of course he will. Storylines. That's a big one, isn't it? <laughs> Short of a DNF, I mean, he's he's absolutely going to wrap it up, isn't he? Yeah, and he's good round um, round the circuit of the Americas. He's very good there. Yeah. Lord help the man who punts Lewis Hamilton off the track in America to stop him winning a world title. <laughs> I know, right? Imagine. Yeah. Who, if if anyone's going to do it, who would it be? It'd probably be Verstappen, based on this last weekend's race. Yeah, probably. Grosjean wouldn't be able to get near enough to him to do it, so not Grosjean. Um, Kvyat maybe while being lapped does it. Oh, yeah, imagine. possibly. Imagine. Also on brand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of crashy people. Um, Storyline two that I'm making up right here, right now. Um, don't give away the stone. <laughs> um, will a return to normal altitude see Ferrari's power gains restored? Well, they did. You'd they had more power. So. They did have more power. They still had more power, baby. Uh, um, down the straight here, like, but you saw Bottas with DRS chasing him down, and he he couldn't get close because the Ferrari just got too much power, baby. Um, yeah. I mean, what happened at Silverstone this year? That was a Mercedes one too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this track share. I mean, obviously shares a series of corners that are basically copy pasted from Silverstone. But yeah. it's as as a lap as a whole, I think it shares a lot of characteristics with Silverstone. Mm. And I yeah. do wonder if Mercedes are almost certainly going to be much better through that first twisty sector. So you have to wonder if that's yeah. going to be enough to make up the Ferrari pace down the two big straights. 
I think that the last sector might be the difference between the two of them, you know, because like you say, the, the, the first one you'd pretty much nail on as being a Mercedes section. The long straights you'd nail as being Ferrari territory. And I think that sort of turn 15, 16 kind of area, the the swooping turns that kind of pinch down into something tighter, that's kind of where the difference is going to come, I think, isn't it? That's what I Yeah, you would think so. Anyway. I wonder if... Here's a storyline for you. I wonder if this year we'll get a jetliner-sized eagle flying over the track <laughs> towards the end of the race. Mm. I wonder if that'll happen. Casting, I a, think casting a shadow over the entire event. <laughs> I wonder if this year spectators will get anywhere near microphones. <laughs> oh yeah, that happened last year, didn't it? The the Niao guy, he he became yeah. a whole meme. Niao guy. It's yeah. normally a great place for WTFs, actually, isn't it? Circuit of the Americas. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I had Michael Buffer it, that one year as well. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if I wonder how long they'll take to introduce every driver <laughs> this week. Yep. This weekend coming as well. Um, let's shall we do a real storyline? Um, here's here's a real one for you. Go on. Will Verstappen um, come back after a series of pretty ropey results, or will Albon continue to outdo him? Chris, you've just nicked my storyline. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> will he? Is that is the question? And I don't know. I don't know if he will. You know, I think he's he's in a bit of a quagmire now. This is why you wanted to ask the question, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to answer no, for it. No, no. <laughs> I, 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 I'm enjoy- what I am enjoying about this this whole sort of Red Bull thing at the moment is is watching Albon absolutely smash it. He's doing such a good job there, doing so much better than what everyone expected him to in yeah. when we got to Belgium. Everyone was like, huh? And... Yeah, he's just he's proved everyone wrong. He's he can hold his whatever whatever decision Red Bull make at the end of this season. Albon can definitely hold his head up high and say, yeah, absolutely. "I absolutely delivered everything that was asked of me." Um, so yeah, a lot, and I really really hope that continues for the rest of the season, not just the USA. I want it to be. I, I, this is going to be a storyline in a preview to every single race for the remainder of the season because it's a. It's a big thing for me. This I love to see like a yeah, really, it's a really know, good story. You know, a, a new guy show up and um, and 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 wreck shop, which is is not quite yeah. wrecking shop, but he's he's doing a really good job. It's one of the things that got me into Formula One. I was talking, having this dis- discussion with someone over the weekend. One of the things that got me into Formula One was seeing Lewis Hamilton, someone who, in a sport that's notoriously difficult to perform well in and perform at the front end show up it felt like at the time as someone who at the time had very limited knowledge of the sport it felt like some guy had shown up and suddenly is just beating everyone without having had much of a career before of course he's been driving Mm -hmm. all his life and, and and all that but still that's the thing that like hooked me in that was the that was the little the the seed that was planted in my head that got me into Formula One and I stayed for everything else in Formula One. The politics, the the technology, the speed, the excitement, the smell, the noise, all of it. So yeah, little insight into uh, why I love Formula One there. Shall we do another storyline? <laughs> or should we move on to... <laughs> <laughs> or should we do some drivers and teams to watch? Yeah, 
Maybe that's a good idea. Tom, what do you think? I would just call this episode Segway. Because we've been so good at them. I keep saying this. A segue is only a segue if you don't point it out. <laughs> Stop no, I was, talking about, I was talking about that they've been terrible. They've been absolutely <laughs> awful this week. Not that they've been good by any definitely, definitely not been the most flowing podcast you listen to this week. <laughs> oh, um, it's great to be back, guys. <laughs> um, drivers to watch. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going with here. Um, I don't know. Any suggestions? It's got, it's got, I mean, you, you've got to be. There's a really obvious one, isn't there? And that's Hamilton. Like, you, you, is the pre, I mean, he's a six-time world champion, but is sorry, he's a, no, he's a five-time world champion, isn't he? It'll be six if he, I'm, I'm <laughs> it'll be six next weekend. It'll be six next. It'll weekend. be six. Come to this time next he's, week. He's basically a six-time world champion. Um, the, the, the driver. The reason I, he's my driver to watch is because can he keep his head under at the end towards the end of the season when the championships more or less wrapped up? Hamilton kind of he lets off the gas a little bit and and can sort of you know not perform maybe his best. And I feel like that's mm. we've already seen that this this race they had no business winning this race. I think the cards just sort of fell in their favor really. Um, although Hamilton did drive like an absolute champ, it was a really, really good drive from him. Not to you know, not taking anything away from that, the time management was acceptable. It was a champion's drive. Can he keep his head? Can he deliver the goods? Will the car hold up? You know, will everything finally fall into place for him to take this championship in the USA? That's that, that's why he's my driver to watch this weekend. Yeah, I actually I think this is going to be a rare occasion where we watch him win a championship by winning a race, which actually doesn't happen that often. But yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be. Um, I'm going to go for a kind of Verstappen slash Albon combo, just because that kind of inter-team battle is really interesting. Like, I guess specifically Verstappen, just to see if he after back-to-back races coming off a ropey weekend, whether he'll carry some that over or put it behind him and put in the kind of drive that we've got used to this season. Yeah, he needs to bring it yeah. back, doesn't he? Yeah, I, th- I think I was sort of narrowing down towards Albon, in yeah. all honesty, but just because I want to see I want to see him continue this good form that he's on. Um, like, I, I still don't think we've quite seen the maximum out of him because he's still finding his feet in that car, ultimately. Yeah, he's absolutely. not really been in it that long, has he? So Sick races. I think that there's definitely more to come of him. I, I I was very unsure, much like Stu said earlier, I was very unsure at the, at the time of the decision being made. I thought it was maybe too soon, but he's definitely proven me wrong on that from what I thought. And I actually do now hope that he gets the seat for next year. Because um, he's deserved it based on what yeah. he's done so far. Same. So, um, yeah, I just hope that he can maybe outscore Max again because it'd be interesting to see how that dynamic shifts if that keeps happening nice um teams to watch i'm gonna go mclaren mclaren had an absolute shocker in mexico um and i want to see them bounce back they've got they're definitely massively massively underperformed and they had there were a few mistakes obviously the pit stop for um 
uh, for Norris was was an absolute just a disaster, wasn't it? So, yeah. and there's been a few like they never quite found the feel for the car at Mexico. It probably had something to do with the altitude, the thinness of the air. Their cars are kind of a it's a downforce C car, isn't it? So they don't have the best engine either. Um, although in theory, they you know the Renault should have done well, given that in previous races at Mexico it has done well in the Red Bull mm-hmm. and. It's ba- and I said last week it's basically all Adrian knew his acolytes designing that car. Um, should do better at, at, at Circuit of the Americas. So let's uh, let's watch and find out. You've you've kind of stole my answer there. I was going to say them as well. I mean, they've, yeah, they've the results have just not been there for them. I'd say ever since the summer break, really. Russia aside, they've not had a double points finish since Belgium. Um, yeah. And two of those have been no points finishes. They they've not been getting the results they deserve. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're in desperate need of a, a good race. Yeah, science. Those science has had some great races. Second half of the season, he's 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 done well. He's been yeah. he had a few seventh, uh, sixth, seventh, fifth. I think he had a fifth somewhere, didn't he? Yeah, he's had a fifth and a sixth. Yeah, I think mine is probably Renault, just to see more of the fallout from this whole brake bias thing. Um, because oh yeah, to a- any advantage that they were getting from it, this is maybe a circuit that they would have seen some with, like you know, the whole twisty section early on, heading into long straights with heavy braking points and stuff like that. I-, I imagine this is a circuit they'd see good return on on the functionality that was being provided by that. Um, they they still insist that it was merely to ease the driver load and not actually aiding them, like to ease the workload, which I guess guess it kind of did. (laughs) I'm not sure those are two completely dissimilar things, though, are they? Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive, those two things. It's not aiding the driver, it's just lowering their workload. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh... (laughs) Yeah. Apparently they've had that since the Grosjean days. Yes. Yeah, Grosjean claims a Belgian podium was... Uh, earned whilst using it, I believe, doesn't it? Yeah. Not that we still really know what it is. Um, it's oh, yeah. I'm desperate to know exactly what it is. There's, there's lots of theories out there. Have either of you been back to the GoPro video that uh, Racing Point have said is part of the way that they identified? I've seen some stills system. from this, but I've not seen the actual video. So I've been and watched it a couple of times since, and. It, it's a GoPro video from the visor cam thing um, that Danny Rick was using during his first run out in the car during winter testing. It was like literally his first install lap, I think, and he had one of the visor mount cams on. And essentially what you see happening is there's a, there's a percentage of brake bias, like positive or negative as to whether it's frontward or rearward. And it changes in the top left corner of the display throughout the lap, but at no point can you see him making an adjustment that goes along with that. But there's every chance it, it could be something on the back, but generally it tends to be one of the dials on the front, doesn't it, with the thumbs? Yeah. And the only thing yeah. you really see him doing with his thumb is pressing the radio button and then turning the radio off because they've got like a push to activate, push to cancel the radio. And you can see that that's what he's doing with that because there's an R on it and there's a little red light 
that sort of signifies that he's speaking. But that that's all it is essentially. That or that's where it's part of where it's stemmed from. Mm. So it's interesting, interesting to watch because you do you do definitely see the brake bias moving as he heads into certain bits of the track, kind of where you'd expect it to. And having learned what I've learned from that video, I'm going to adjust the way that I change my brake bias through the F1 simulation game. <laughs> well, it's yeah. only an install one, one lap, though, mate. I want to be careful with that. Oh, no, no, I know. But <laughs> you'd, you'd expect that that's part of what they're, they're testing, I guess. Oh, yeah, I'm watching it. So, yeah, he you gets to the it's end in the top of left corner. The, yeah, it's top left corner. It's the percentage. He gets to the end, and it only changes by 1%, which would you'd only ever change, but you'd never change by uh, yeah. more than like 3 or 4%. Yeah, I think four percent would be a huge the, amount. I think the radius that it ends up in is between three percent rearward and then one percent forward, or it might be the other way around. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's about there's about a four to five percent range that it goes through throughout the lap, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's worth a look anyway. If, if anyone's really interested in that stuff, it's worth a look. It is interesting. I'm, so. I'm watching it right now. It is. Does it look like he's doing anything with his hands at the points, or like just after these I things appear? I would say not. The, the 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 damning thing is, Chris, that it happens at the right at the exit of each corner. Yeah, it's, it's just as he straightens the wheel. It's, it, it, yeah, it is for me. From watching it, it was about where it happened what happened and then almost with some of them it's like he goes on the radio to say it looks like it's worked and then comes off the radio he's <laughs> really if you watch his radio times it's almost like he's but you'd expect something like that to have been picked up in the transmissions if they were yeah. being picked up so maybe it was maybe it wasn't quite as obvious as that the fia kind of statement on it made it sound like it wasn't just an automated system there was more to it than that and one theory i saw was that when you're seeing those numbers come up that's more the car electronics suggesting a change and then the drivers push a button to confirm that change so technically the driver is still making the changes but rather than adjusting the dial they're just pressing the confirm button which is potentially a way they were trying to get around it i don't have a problem with that i don't have a problem with that you know i don't have a problem with them being offered up a solution and then choosing whether or not to accept it i think that is the driver making a decision and that's fine that's very different to the car doing it itself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and I think that's the loophole they thought they were getting around. Mm. To be honest, I don't think the drivers adjusting things on their steering wheel between between corners adds anything to the sport whatsoever. So, as as fascinating as I think this is, I like if they tomorrow said, "Oh, we're." banning adjusting brake bias or changing the rules like i don't think it would add or take anything away from the sport to be completely honest yeah no 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 yeah yeah i mean it's not a sport affecting <laughs> thing is it no, no. <laughs> but very interesting all the same it is interesting it, yeah. it's a prime example of a ton of effort going in to save like milliseconds per lap essentially yeah or like a tiny bit of because you've got to think like a, a change like a brake bias adjustment in a particular spot is going to become like a gear change to a professional driver. Like it's almost second nature yeah. to think, yeah, I want yeah. to go back, back on my brake bias here. I want to go forwards here. It's more about the accuracy of it, I guess, the fact that the machine is doing it for them because you could maybe flick it a little bit too far backwards or a little bit too far forwards. And that's when you outbreak yourself or, or whatever. And I guess there's, it takes away that element of it, but it could also explain why they were having issues with the brakes, you know, earlier on in the season. 
You remember when I was yeah, saying that? Really you remember, time, you remember when I said a long time ago that I thought Danny Rick was finding it hard to adjust to a less downforcey car, and he, we were seeing him lock up a lot and head on straight on at places like Baku. Yeah. Maybe in actual fact, it's more him adjusting to a system like this is what we've actually seen. Who knows? Could be. Could be. I'm just be. throwing a complete spitball speculation out there before we yeah. move on to predictions. We should. We should. Uh, given you, yeah. Shall we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll leave just that one hanging out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shall I go after predictions? I'll do the ones earlier. I'll do these ones yeah. as well. So, who wants to go first? I think I'll it's a first. stew first this week. Um, Your fastest Hamilton. in Q3 before penalties. Straight in Hamilton. <clears throat> Tom. I'm going to be really boring because the title's on the line and just say Hamilton. Me too. <laughs> this is going to be a terrible week, isn't it? It's going to be a boring prediction. Tom, week. is it double ham for you? It is. I love how we've coined the phrase double ham. Like it's that's double a, ham for me what. too. It's double ham for me. <laughs> it's triple double ham. Triple double ham again. <laughs> um, now we get to the tricky ones. First DNF, which is me to go first. Uh... Last year, it was Kevin Magnussen who retired first. Oh, no, no, it wasn't. They were disqualified. The first actual retirement was Alonso with a collision. Um, Presumably with Grosjean because he also retired with a collision. (laughs) Um, I thought that was just presumably with Grosjean because Grosjean. Grosjean. Sentence ends there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, God, cruel! That poor bloke, that poor poor man, <laughs> poor guy. The thing I'm, is, as a as a guy, I love him. He's he's an awesome yeah, guy. Just, oh. I keep saying Tarasso, and it never seems to quite happen. Does that mean you're going to throw? I'm going to have sticks? to rush you, Chris. I'm going to have to rush you. It's taking far too long. I'm going to go for Magnuson this time, which means you'll definitely be a Tarasso, uh, Stu. Uh, I'm going to go with the other Haas and go Grosjean. Classic bit of Grosjean. Because I'm boring this week. Um, Lance Stroll. That's an interesting one. He's he's, he's been quite um, consistently not crashing recently. Yeah, maybe you do one. Can I have a number of finishes from you, Stu? 16, please. Good old reliable 16. Um, Oops. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for my usual 17. I I hate to have very similar predictions to you, but I want my 17 that I didn't get this week. (laughs) So I'm going 17 as well. Cool. Thank you whoever's fixed the table for me that I just made an absolute hash off. Um, Random driver, which is more of a coin flip this week because I've only got two left. And it is Daniel Ricciardo. <gasps> Ooh, Ooh, oh, that's, tough. that's really tough. Yes, it is. Six. I'm getting out there. Oh, he's six. gone straight in. Oh, sick. That's a big shout. That's optimistic. <clears throat> Where was it last uh, year? Hey, it wasn't that it far off. Where were the Renaults? Where were the Renaults last year? The Renaults last year were sixth and seventh. I'm gonna go seventh then. I'm going to go for a slightly less optimistic 8th because I think the McLarens are going to beat them. 6, 7, 8, 17, 16, 6, 17. Question, who does that leave as the solo driver for Brazil? 
Our final drive for Brazil is Kimi Räikkönen. And then for Abu Dhabi, everyone goes back in the pot and we have Oh, that's going to be so fun. It could be anyone for Abu Dhabi. That's great. That's worked out well. Which would be Räikkönen back-to-back now. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, but as always, yep, as always, that's us. But if you want to get involved, go to backgrid.com where you can register, enter your predictions and win some prizes. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanking you, Chris. Um, we have time for just a little bit of inbox box box. Uh, so I'll hand over to Stu and we will go through these. Okay, so um, Katie says, great strategic race. Absolutely loved it. The close racing we've had in the second half of the season makes me very excited for next year. Do you think one team will eke out that final bit of more performance from the current regs and dominate next year or will it stay close again? I think it'll stay close. I don't know about you guys. What do yeah. you think? I don't think there's much more to be had, which is why Mercedes have been caught up so much, I guess, in recent times. We're in diminishing returns, aren't we? Like, yeah. Every I... game now is minuscule, I think. We've reached that point um, yeah. of the regs. Which is arguably a good reason not to change the regulations, but carry on. Too. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone would find something to be dominant with at this point, given how uh, static the rules are going to be. Alex Thompson says, Another weekend to forget for stewards. Uh, Their recent run of poor and slow and consistent decisions is due, in my opinion, to catering too much about fan or popular opinions. It seems to be only making decisions based on what fan or media may think. Your thoughts? Nah, I don't don't believe that. No, I, I... I'd be inclined to say the same. Um, I don't know what what did they do. What did they get wrong this weekend? I think mm. it's probably alluding to the maybe you alluding to the penalty for Verstappen and Leclerc Leclerc ended up on the front row. Maybe yeah, but the front, in the <laughs> he literally admitted, I, "Yeah, I kept my foot in. I didn't care." Like yeah. Unfortunately, he's basically saying, "Ask me, uh, give me a penalty." At that point, isn't he? He's like literally asking yeah. for it. At that point, he's, he's like a, would, so. a pig on the spit, isn't he? At that point, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were definitely some decisions that took a while this weekend, but then I'd rather them take a while and be right than be knee jerk and be wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I think so. I, I, I don't. That. I don't think that. I, I, uh, I find it hard to believe that um, the stewards are all sitting there. I mean, they've got a whole race to manage. They're not sitting in the office thinking, oh, what are Autosport going to say if we, uh, if, yeah. we, if we make this decision, blah, blah. They're just, I mean, they're just thinking on their feet, getting it done. The fact that they're a bit more lenient these days is kind of off the back of, I'd say off the back of driver opinion and fan opinion, but then that's kind of what people ask for anyway. So, yeah, so be it. Next, Charlie says, seeing Perez versus Ricardo battle it out was great watching. Do you think this race was an improvement when it comes to the recently lacking TV direction? Ooh. Um, well, definitely there was <laughs> I... a big ball dropped at the end when uh, Hamilton was coming up the lift, if you like. Um, <laughs> he sort of cut away at a really bad moment, which annoyed, annoyed all of us because we cut the highlights and stuff from it. So it's like we needed it to be... We need, we need, we need <laughs> yeah, to not like a little bit more of that shot, and yeah, it was frustrating. Um, I, I do think it was a decent race, though, from a TV point of view. I think they showed there were, there were big periods of the race where they left the front runners to do their thing, and we watched some midfield battles for a while, which sometimes doesn't happen. Sometimes you'll watch a Ferrari going around 
not doing anything for a while and then afterwards the race you'll see a video of some midfield battle yeah. that was going at the same time and i do think i do i'm thinking during the race that we were seeing a lot more interesting stuff so yeah i, I kind of agree with that <laughs> yeah the, the other reason not seeing the middle of the pack due to a certain broadcaster deciding to play adverts over it on the grid uh, but that that's <laughs> yeah, not that, that's, that's not uh, that's like specific to us here i think yeah it? yeah so. that, that was that was a very much a sky problem and not a formula one pop- problem I yeah i wasn't gonna name names um <laughs> the reason it went well for the broadcaster that the the director as well is because we had a very very early virtual safety car which meant you could play the sort of all the replays from the start of the race without yeah. missing any of the opening yeah. laps so if it's one of those sort of situations where it just fell into place for them and it made it made life very, very easy for them. I think definitely in recent races, I haven't seen really any improvement on the religiously playing highlights on like lap three. Like we bet hardly ever see lap three, do we? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this, the thing is there's still stuff happening. They're still really close together. It's like, wait for it to come down and then show, you know, I can, I can live with not seeing the replay of the race until there is a safety car or until something else happens. Or maybe we put it picture in picture and we just see it in the bottom corner or the top corner or something like that. Um, Actually, MotoGP have started doing that. They will have, where they've got the tear on the left-hand side with the positions, they'll put kind of a little picture-in-picture thing up there of like an onboard from someone while they're showing a replay or another battle yeah. um, like on the main screen. They don't do it all the time, but occasionally they'll just like throw these little windows up in the top left just to show you two yeah. things at once, which is, it's, it works quite well from what I've seen. It's 2019. You know, we, we do have these options these days in a broadcast yeah. center to show more than one picture at a time from a live broadcast event. It's not that difficult these days. Um, it's yeah. just a case of the powers that be, you know, maybe sort of being a bit more open to, 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 to moving these things forward, shall we say. Yeah, to be fair, they are throwing, in terms of like the presentation, they're still throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall at the moment to see what sticks. And yeah. I'm sure at some point they will get to the, where do we show replays, bit of spaghetti. Um, at the moment, they're more interested in tire life graphics, which uh, yeah, as as, predict, as we predicted, uh, Pirelli have said are absolute nonsense. Yeah, that's that, <laughs> I think, Chris, that's much more to do with money than it is to do with... Um, well, um, yeah. Given the amount sure of Amazon, Amazon web services sponsorship writ- or plaster yes. all over it, I mean, it's obvious to anyone that they're putting that up there to advertise Amazon more than they are to give insight into like, the actual sport. But anyway, we'll we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, I, I it did feel very crass when um, at one point oh. those graphics turned up and Davy Croft like made a point of saying these great graphics that people have been working so hard on, which he'd been clearly told yeah. to say because everyone's criticised them so much. Crass Pirelli is included. exactly the right word for that. It yeah, was didn't crass. enjoy that at all. Um, yeah, Anna Schurer says, everything went wrong for McLaren. Can they come back stronger in Austin? And if their bad luck continues, could they lose fourth place in the standings? Ooh. Could they lose fourth place in the standings? Let's have a look. I um, think things would have to go pretty badly for they're on 111. Renault are on 73. Yeah. So Renault it, could it's, technically catch them, but yeah, they need some bloody good results though. Yeah, I think yeah. it's unlikely. Yeah, uh, it isn't. But you know, I think it could be by the end of the season if McLaren keep performing 
if keep only scoring with one car, and you know, if they have, right, if they have none. <laughs> yeah, if they have three more races like the race they had in in at the uh, Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez, then yeah, they could be at absolutely, uh, absolutely being caught. Like, make no mistake. And Renault, Renault do need to be finishing like sort of sixth and seventh in order to really guarantee that's going to happen. But yeah. stranger, stranger things have happened. Renault were looking decent this time last season. And I think they are probably going to look more decent towards these last three races. So watch this space. Uh, and last for this week, TX High Heat 97 says... Strong name. <laughs> yeah. uh, heading to my first race to the Circuit of Americas uh, this weekend. Any must-do things? And also, how do you think McLaren F1 will do this weekend? Love the podcast. Oh, Ooh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Texan High Heat. I'm assuming that's what the TX is. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess we already covered the McLaren thing. Uh, we sort of talked about what to do at your first race recently didn't we i think the the main things we always say are take some time to have a walk around the track and see cars from other places if you can um and definitely watch the support races because you'd be mad not to get your money's worth with that yeah um anything else important uh decent gig on i think at austin usually isn't there the music's usually good after the race yeah i've not just seen what it is this year but it's normally a good one there and tell us how your weekend was as well. That's another important thing to do. Send us yeah, that's the big thing. Yeah, tell yeah, us I mean, how it went. You're, you're in the USA, so it's probably better for you to get in touch with us after this and tell us how great a weekend you had. And then next yeah. season, when someone else asks the same question, we can say, do this, do that, do this, do that. Um, <laughs> TX High Heat 97 said so. From a reporter on the scene. Yeah. Um, it's Imagine, Imagine Dragons and Pink... Are the the two acts you've got to look forward to. Imagine Dragons mm. are decent. Pink, I don't know. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we've turned into no, Top that... Gear. <laughs> we did just then. We did just then. Yeah. <laughs> um, now that is genuinely it for this week. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can do so by finding us on Twitter, which is Back of the Grid F1. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Back of the Grid and you can find us on Instagram at Back of the Grid. Uh, you can also head to backofthegrid.com where you can register for the Predictions League for this weekend's GP and the last two remaining and uh, also send us a message through there as well if you're not a social media person. Uh, that is everything for this week. So thank you very much for joining us and we will be back next week after the US GP. Uh, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Have a great time.